This is the show where Eskimos fans get all things green and gold from the man who calls the shots. We're just ready to lace it up and go out there and hit somebody and uh, play physical, disciplined football. This is where one empire gets insight you can't get anywhere else. This is the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering, Canada's largest public automotive and RV auction. Now, with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. And good evening, everybody. 7.33 on a Monday night. Hope the long weekend was fantastic for you. It certainly started out great on Friday night. The Eskimos stayed perfect for 2017, uh, continuing to win another thriller, 32. 228 over the Hamilton Tiger Cats on the Brickfield at Commonwealth. A game that came down to the very last play again. In a win first business, the only thing the Eskimos keep doing is winning. Time to say good evening and uh, welcome once again to the head coach of the Eskimos, Jason Moss. How are you, Jason? Doing great, doing great. Uh, 6-0 and to start. Um, several nail biters, several come from behind wins, lots of injuries. It's probably not the roadmap you'd want to choose to 6-0, and but you got to be happy with where you are at 6-0 and as the first third of the season comes to an end. Yeah, absolutely. Can't, can't be any better. I mean, to be 6-0, and uh, regardless of how many injuries we've had, no matter what the outcome of those games have been point-wise margin, uh, to go 6-0 is a big, a big deal. Um, obviously gets you off to the right start you wanted uh, in a season. And, uh, you know, but now you just erase it. It's 0-0 for the next third. You know, if you're a CFL guy, you know that split into thirds and you want to start fast and then at that point uh, start playing better football. And we absolutely need to start playing better football. We all realize that. There's not one guy in our locker room satisfied the way we're playing. Um, but winning is winning. And the ability to be able to do that, no matter what the circumstances, what this team has been shown to do. Does that excite you to know that, to figure out that sooner or later you're you're going to get healthy, you're going to get some players back, and you still feel you can play better, but yet you're still 6-0? and Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's very encouraging. Uh, when I look at the list of guys that we have right now not playing and know that they're soon to come back, um, and uh, the guys that are playing, I'm excited about. And I, I, I'm thrilled that they're playing so well and stepping up. Uh, each week it seems like another guy does it and uh, you know it's a great thing to have that depth that camaraderie that feeling of being able to be a part of the whole thing playing wise is tremendous and our whole locker room is feeling it right now and uh, they're buying into everything and it's, it's it's tremendous to be a part of you really don't want to do things the easy way to do you in games no, I mean, you're right down to the wire every yeah, night. Yeah, it seems like you know each game we've done our part to to play a hand in these close games as far as you know things that we do seem to compound and hurt ourselves but yet we're somehow finding a way to come back from it again i give teams credit though i mean uh i think everyone who understands football knows that hamilton is not a, that bad of a football team not compared to what you everyone was seeing leading up to our game with the 61 60 to 1 defeat in calgary we knew they're a better football team than that uh we knew we were going to be in a dogfight regardless but uh again it came down to we were a two score 12 points up with two minutes to go and our last two drives on offense we turn over the ball which is completely uncharacteristic of our offense this year uh, but somehow some way our defense finds a way to, to shut them down when when they needed to which was great to see i know you were 
perfect, I think, going into the game in the short yardage on third downs. You were perfect throughout the game, uh, and then it doesn't happen for you late in the game. And as you say, you turn it over, and that 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 was a big part of why Hamilton was allowed to get back yeah. into it. The thought process to that, I thought it was brilliant to to kill off the clock with the punt team out for a while and everything, and then just the thought process on on going for it in that situation instead of kicking it away. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it just comes down to an attitude or a feeling or a gut feeling at times that coaches have. Um, you know, I could see the disgust in our our faces as our our offensive players uh, were coming off the field when I called the punt team. And to know that we were a yard, I knew it was longer than a yard. It wasn't a full yard. Yeah. It was longer than a, a yard. Um, but to have that faith in our guys and to show them that I have the faith and to go out aggressive. If you're going to go out, you may as well go out aggressive. And uh, I felt like at that point, if you don't go for it and you kick it and they somehow go down and score and beat you, I mean, how would our offensive guys, how would our team feel that, you know, here we talk about our models all gas and no break, and I put the brakes on our offense for giving them an opportunity to close out a game. So our defense had our offenses back. They, I mean, they made it perfectly clear that no matter what the outcome of that down was, they were going to shut them down. And uh, when you have that feeling on your team, you know, I also heard a lot of guys say after the game to me that that was on them. They need to get a yard. When I when I have the faith in them to, to put them on the field, they need to get the yard, and they understand that's the kind of group we have. So you were going to punt, and then oh, did yeah. you change your mind yeah, when yeah. you saw the guys coming off the yeah, field? Yeah, I just, you know, I'm not, you're not always right. I mean, not every decision's right. Every, every decision's thought of, but at the end of the day, I mean, there's constant feel and ebb and flow to a game, and, you know, I... I knew our punter was. I knew we were going to be able to punt them and pin them deep. And I have complete faith in our defense, no matter what the situation. I know they're going to get stops. I know it's also harder in 40 seconds to go a complete field than it mm-hmm. is to go half a field to score. Um, but I also have faith in our offense and I have faith in our team that a yard, yard and a half, we should be able to get that. And when we get it, the the reward or the wrist in and out gain the reward, I guess, in that sense. It, it, to me, if we would have got that, the game's over. And then if not, mm-hmm. the game's not over. It's just our defense has to get a stop, which if you have complete faith in your team to do that, then really that, that decision isn't too hard. It's just playing it safe was probably an easier thing to do, but I, I, I stick by the decision. I'm, I'm glad that we did it, and I'm glad you know, at the end of the day we faced major adversity and had to overcome it, which we did. Is it hard to do that? Uh, you're an aggr- you played an aggressive style. You want to coach an aggressive style. You have an aggressive team. Is it hard to throw the brakes on? in certain situations when you yeah. know everybody's going forward but you just say let's just hold off a bit here yeah i mean it's it's difficult at times to kind of um you know because i know game the game is about a lot of the game is about momentum and so when you again the risk there was you give them the ball at midfield with plenty of time to run plays um with a ton of momentum except that our team's different that's that's all i know our team doesn't go up and go down like other teams I've been a part of. This team is mentally tough, and I say it's because last year we went through so many highs, so many lows, and not one guy moaned or bitched about it. They just kept playing, and um, it was great to see. And I knew that momentum and that way of thinking would carry on to this year, and I've just, that's all I've seen so far. Not one moment's been too big. They all step up when they need to. So some teams that would have been catastrophic, I had a lot of faith that our team was going to make it a catastrophic event. They were going to go out, do their jobs, and get the job done. And ultimately, that's what happened. Do the injuries play into that, too? I mean, the way this team faces that? I mean, I, I talk to guys every day about it, and they're they're in kind of disbelief that those that many players are hurt. But 
they're pretty confident that it's not going to affect him and they know it's the next man up attitude and they have seen the next man up come in and play well each and every week, week after week after week. Uh, it doesn't seem to phase him at all. No, it doesn't. I, like I said, I, I think it's because of the, whether you've been a part of our team from last year or not, the new guys coming in, this is all they know. They know they go in, they play well, we win. <laughs> I mean, no matter what happens, we've won so far. So though that kind of thing, you know, is helped out by the veterans that went through everything we did last year. Mm -hmm. You know, a three-game win streak, a three-game losing streak, three-game win streak, three-game losing streak, five and a whole bunch of wins at the end of the year, get a playoff win, a ton of adversity faced last year. That is carried on. That's the type of uh, leaders we have in our room, type of culture we we have. Um, and I guess it's just, like I said, it's a feeling we have. It's, 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 it's something that I, I see on a day-to-day -day basis. Nobody thinks the moment's too big. The guys that are on the bench right now are all expecting to go in and play. And like I said, it's somewhat contagious feeling right now, and it's um, it's permeating throughout the room. It's it's a great thing to, to be a part of. You talk about your leaders, and from the outside looking in, your biggest and best leader is Mike Riley. Uh, he had a great game. I mean, he did everything he had to do. You know, I mean, he threw for two, he ran for two, uh, he made plays all night long, and I guess in those situations, as guys have are out of the lineup, guys are falling in the game, uh, he virtually kind of lost his offensive line in front of him as the game went along, but it didn't didn't phase him. He just kept making plays. I, yeah, and I mean, that's I've said it before with, about Mike. I mean, anytime 13 standing back there, I mean, I don't think there's one guy on our team that doesn't believe we have a chance to win a ball game against anybody. And uh, that's the faith we have in him, and uh, for good reason. He's shown it. He does it on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, he's consistent. He's consistent with his prep. He's consistent with his demeanor. His confidence never wavers, no matter what happens out there. Um, you know, he's tough as nails. He'll stand in there, not complain. He'll just stand in there and take hits. Um, you know, our old line's done a great job this year of protecting him, but he does take hits like every other quarterback does. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't seem to affect him nearly as much as uh, other quarterbacks have been around or seen. Um, he has just that, it's a, it's a skill set. He, he just has that inbred in him um, to not let that kind of thing bothers him, bother him. So being down, being up, Mike's the same guy. Uh, thinks well on his feet, uh, makes good decisions, great decisions, and obviously we're very excited that he's our leader. You talked after practice today about you gave some special recognition in the team meeting today to Danny Grew for his performance. Uh, if you saw the game, uh, I was getting the binoculars out almost after every play to watch him. He was in just in agony, it seemed, getting up off the ground, play after play after play. Uh, he uh, was on the trainer's table while the defense was on the field. But I don't think he missed a shift. I mean, I think he was out there the entire game and for a lot of it playing with some pretty big issues. No, I know he didn't miss a shift because if he did, Mondo Silva would have been the guy <laughs> Placing him so you know for the fact that uh, you know a spasm's a spasm I mean it's hard to play through those things particularly when you're in your back region so um, Gru was dealing with that uh, did with dealt with it tremendously I mean it's one of the gutsiest performances I've seen because I've personally had those types of injuries and uh, it's not easy and particularly when you're in the trenches getting hit on every single play torquing your body lifting up 300 pound men or 200 pound men and trying to hit them as hard as you can and move them um, and they're moving you and uh, there's a lot of twisting a lot of grinding a lot of you know physical play in that line and then to, to, on top of that everyone no one re understands how much thinking there is involved in playing o-line there's a lot of mm -hmm. checks there's a lot of movement based on looks um and so when you're going through that agony and that pain and to be able to still cerebral 
mentally think or use your 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 mind to think through a game as well and shut that pain out to focus that hard uh, was tremendous. It was something that uh, was awesome to see, and I recognized it throughout our team. So guys could see that and, and respect that. And uh, Danny obviously went up a lot of notches in a lot of people's belts this week. It's, let's face it, if you ever had a back spasm, it's hard to watch TV on the couch with a back spasm, let alone worry about Ted Laurent to cross the line. Yeah, them, right? you no know? question, it's, no question. So uh, like I said, that was that was big for us. And again, uh, as much as we love Mondo, we like seeing him on the defensive <laughs> side more than anything. Yeah, where, I think he's better on that side of it for sure. Are the wins getting tougher right now because of what's going on around your team? Uh, I, I think what people don't understand is it's tough to win every, each week. Mm-hmm. I mean, each week presents another challenge. We don't just go into a game with 6-0 and record, and that helps us win. I mean, the thing that 6-0 and does to you is it helps breed confidence. It helps your every day your food tastes better. You wake up in the morning with a smile. You know, you you want to work hard, but our our group works hard regardless. I've seen them work hard last year when we weren't winning, um, but everything's just better about being six and zero. But each game is difficult to win up here. It's there's a lot of good coaches, a lot of great players. There's schemes. There's each each team presents another challenge, a different challenge, and the records can be completely thrown out. I mean, you watch most games, most games come down to the end and it doesn't matter what the records are. And, you know, Ottawa is a good example of that. They're lost five games. They lost them by a total of however many points I keep hearing it. I forget now. It's, I know it's very low, low. Yeah. Um, but they still found a way to lose all those games, but they're still tight ball games. And those games could have gone one way or the other, depending on a few plays. And football plays, football games generally come down to six plays. I mean, you can take out six plays a game and analyze those six, and they usually tend to determine an outcome. So, you know, they're they're all difficult. Well, we'll get to Ottawa later, but I, I just, as you say that, I kind of thought you guys are kind of the opposite this year. You're both good football teams, except Ottawa makes the big mistake every game. They find a way to make the big mistake. Well, your guys find the way to make the big play game in and came out yeah through the first six games that's been our mo we've we've found a way to make plays when we need to make plays and we've talked about competitive greatness before and that's partly what it is it's when you need to make a play can you make a play our our team's been very good at taking care of the ball we're plus two in the turnover ratio for the entire year through six games i think we're third or fourth in that regard in the league um you know we do a lot of little things well, and we do them well when the game matters, which I, everyone says the game matters all the time. But when it comes down to crunch time, our team has done very well in crunch time. Um, you know, I'd like us to do better throughout the course of a game, so maybe we don't have to make all these games come down to that. But there's something to be said for a team that when they need to do it and it's tie ball game or you're down one or you're down three or seven, your ability to come back shows through. Uh, that get grittiness, that ability to focus, have confidence, and make plays. Because ultimately, that's what the game comes down to. When you lose, you find a way not to make those plays. And at the end of the day, you know, some the winner does it and the loser doesn't. And that's as easy as it is. For Michener Allen Auctioneering, you're listening to the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. My name's Morley Scott. We'll take a break and be back with more with the coach when we return on The Voice of the Eskimos, 6.30, Chet. The Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. We have the selection. You set the price. Now, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad.
I guess we're back. Morley Scott along with uh, the head coach of the Eskimos, uh, Jason Moss, on the Eskimos Coaches Show for Michener Allen Auctioneering. Uh, Jason, you used your challenge early on Friday. Has the rules changed how you think about it or how you're going to think about it in the future when you throw the challenge flag? Yeah, I mean, just, just thinking, you know, after the decision was made, you know, obviously now any ticky-tack thing you, you really can't, challenge I mean it has to be a scoring opportunity or something so blatantly obvious that's going to help you get into scoring position to make it happen even that challenge I was very close to not throwing the flag because I wasn't sure really if they were going to throw it but the two guys upstairs Rob and Train they both were very adamant that it was pass interference and a lot of guys on our sidelines and then obviously our receiver the same way felt the same way um be Mitch so I mean it was a scoring opportunity, so it seemed real easy to do it. Now, it was so blatantly obvious, it should have been already called the flag, I would guess. But, you know, that's what I think, that's what people are failing to realize. The flow no, of the game, right. to me, isn't the big issue in our league. It's The game is hard to ref. And when we had two challenges, it allowed coaches to change four plays in an outcome of a game. Well, four plays, I already said six plays can determine an outcome of a game. Now you're talking about four that you at least get a look at. And when they're so blatantly that everyone can see it, and all of a sudden now for the rest of the game, I can't do nothing about it, that's hard. It's hard. And I know the reason the challenges were put in in the first place. So now all of a sudden we're down to one because of why. Flow of the game, uh, I have a... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't want to comment any further. I I, under, I understand, and and it takes no coach wants tools in his bag that can help him win a game taken away from him. That's pretty obvious right there. But you're right, and and I, I you don't have to say this. I'll say it. I think what it does is it puts pressure on the on the CFL and the officials to make sure they get the calls right because you shouldn't have to waste your challenge to get a call right that everyone in the building knows is right. And I, for example, I'll just go back to week one in Vancouver and the Duke Williams catch five yards inside, which was called out, and you had to waste the challenge. On the second play of the game. Yeah. I would have had no challenges the rest of the game. Now, do I do that? We only got to the 35. You know, maybe I don't do that. What was the score of that game? Uh, I believe yeah. there was a three-point difference, right? Yeah, it yeah. was a really I believe close you kicked game. the field goal on that play, right? So Afterwards, that's yeah. my point. Is <clears throat> they, the, the league put challenges in for a reason. And now, all of a sudden, six games into a season, we just want to change things. I get, I, like I said, I'm not going to comment yeah. more than that. I mean, I, I think the time to comment on is in the off season, when we can kind of think with clear heads and not let anything really, you know, make make really good judgments on things. But I know that the challenges were in, in for a reason, and it's because it's hard to referee our league. There's so many moving parts. There's so many things. If it was easy, they'd get every call right. It's judgment mm -hmm. at times. And like you said, I mean, some of the calls seem very obvious to everybody. But to the guys seeing it, it didn't. That's why he doesn't throw his challenge flag. But when you get to slow it down, you get to look at it, it's very obvious. And that's why they're there for. Um, and, again, it's four plays a game. And I think on average it was 2.4 challenges a game with both coaches throughout the whole league. The most challenges through before last week was 10 by one team. So that was less than two a game. So it wasn't like it was a mm -hmm. complete crazy amount of, it wasn't basketball in the last two minutes of a game where you can call 15 timeouts and yeah. slow the game completely down on each possession this isn't basketball this is two possessions that you get to or two things you get to look at 
I've already talked about okay, it. Okay, I got you. Well, let's let's <laughs> move on. I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, penalties. Uh, I think that was your worst game, was it? Not 14 for 159. It was. Uh, we talked the day before the game, and you were kind of stressing about how you have to cut down penalties. You, I'm guessing, weren't too pleased with what you saw in the game. Absolutely not. It was our worst performance of the year, and wasn't even close. Um, if you know, when you're six and zero, you try to find things that you need to be better at to improve. And what I say about us improving that we can get better. If we're number nine right now in the league, the last place team in the league at turnovers or penalties per game at 10.2. The next closest to us is nine. Um, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot to me as far mm -hmm. as the, the the difference between 10 and nine. We were trending to, to I think it was under 10 before last game, and we're way over it now. It's ridiculous. Our guy, I told our guys, I said we have our penalty board up. We talk about penalties every single day. I show every every day what you know what penalties are in practice. At the end of the day, we have 25 procedure penalties on the season, by far the most. I think it's the next closest is 18, and next closest to that is 15. So that's just a lack of focus on a day on a play-to-play -play basis. And if our team does not improve that aspect, these games are going to continue to be close and it's gonna bite us at one point. And I don't want that to happen, and I don't think any of our players do. So we need to do a better job of buying in in that regard and making this a complete organizational effort and not just coaches, players, it's everybody needs to hold each other accountable for this matter. And it starts with the players though. The players control themselves on the field. And when you can't listen to a snap count or you can't react to a ball instead of a snap count on the defensive side, you're wrong. And our players were wrong last game, and they've been doing that all year. And at the end of the day, that, sh that stuff's going to change, and it's just a matter of time. Jason, thanks for your time tonight. As always, uh, lots of stuff I wanted to get to, but we're just plumb out of time. Uh, good luck to you in Ottawa. I know it's, uh, for whatever reason, for all the, the crisscrossing, uh, it's a big game on the calendar. Uh, I know it's a big game because it's the next game, but this one's always a big one, so uh, good luck to you on Thursday night. Thanks a lot. That is Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. We, of course, have the broadcast for you uh, coming your way at 4 o'clock with the uh, uh, pregame show, and uh, we'll be in your ears uh, 90 minutes later with the play-by-play, -play, the Eskimos and the Red Blacks. My name's Morley Scott. Have a Great night, everybody.